We're talking about self-awareness, optimizing your professional life, and what would the perfect week look like? Today with my new friend from Everford Radio, Chase Tuning, this is episode 671. Welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, competitor. It's Jake, your chief encouragement officer, and I'm glad you're here for this brand new episode with my new friend, Chase. If you've been around the health and wellness space for a while, you probably recognize Chase's name or his Ever Forward brand, but the guy does some incredible work, is focused on optimizing your life personally and professionally, and we dive into today a little bit of his story. But a lot of times I want to pull it threads on the idea of self-awareness, building that self-awareness, understanding why we do certain things, why we break certain promises to ourselves, and how do we get better at honoring the commitments we make to ourselves in the pursuit of becoming our best self. So I think you're going to get a lot out of today's brand new conversation. We know right now we are finishing up the month of June. We are headed into the month of July over the weekend. And so that means you're at the halfway point this year. You are halfway through 2023, whether you are ready for it or not, it is here and it has gone by. And for a lot of people, the first six months are in the books and they're, well, a little disappointing. They haven't reached the goals they wanted. They haven't made as much progress on that thing they said they wanted. And there's probably a lot of people justifying that they're going to get started in January. They're going to spend the next six months getting ready to get going. And by doing that, they're going to waste the opportunity to get better. You don't actually need to wait for January to start making progress again. You don't need to wait till January to set a new goal. You definitely don't even need to wait till August to get going. You can start today. It's that whole idea of day one mentality. Regardless of what happened the last six months of this year, the good you had, the bad, the wins, or the lack of progress you've made, Today can be your day one. It can be that opportunity to get going. This can be the encouragement that you need to say, you know what, I've got today. I don't have to take 100 steps, but I can take one. I can get moving on that goal that I keep procrastinating and telling myself I'm going to be more motivated to take action on later. I can do the things that everyone in society has the opportunity to do, but only a handful will because most people are so comfortable with their excuses that they never make progress. So today, June 28th, this is my challenge to you, regardless of how the last six months have gone, make today your day one. Be determined to write the next six months however you want them to go. Show up every day and make progress for your goals. Show up every day and forge yourself into the best possible version of yourself. Start leading better and impacting better. Don't wait for a date on the calendar. Go make the most of today. And with that, let's welcome into the show my friend from Everford Radio, Chase Tuning. 
My dude, Jake, a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Uh, so I've got to kick it off. I want to ask you a question. I know you mm. recently did a podcast on this on Everford, and I saw you tweet about it, and it just really stuck out. Of uh, This idea of breaking promises to ourselves. And why, man, so many mm. times we fall into this trap, especially high achievers, because we have all these, these things, I believe, like we feel we should do. We feel obligated to do, especially if we're wanting to be successful. And so we promise we're going to do these things and we break them. In your head, what, what made you want to chew on that topic a little bit? And why do you think we tend to break them so often? First and foremost, I leaned into this question because it was one that I was asked in um on a recent Instagram poll. So uh, recently I've been shifting to adding in more solo content, more me episodes on Everford Radio. And this was a question that stood out to me from this poll that I just did on an IG story. And I really loved it because, you know, being in the health and wellness space for so long, I feel like I've kind of beaten the health horse to death uh, in terms of fitness, nutrition. There's always going to be maybe something new or something we can go back to that is a great foundational component to nutrition, fitness, training, sleep, optimization. But this one stuck out to me because it was unique. And it was one that I think that a lot of us could really relate to, myself included. And I kind of broke it down in, in four ways that I, you know, of course, getting an Instagram question, you never really get the full backstory. So yep. um, I was making some assumptions here. But I, I really just think that it was something that needed to be addressed because I've been there. I'm probably going to be there again, hopefully not anytime soon. But as we're progressing in our wellness, in our business, in our relationships, you take this concept of goal setting and you kind of forget that what you're really doing is setting and making a promise to yourself and for yourself. But when we talk about things that are for us and we keep them to ourselves, it becomes easier, I think, to not really see them through all the way. Yep. And so I, I think the concept of making promises and keeping them is something that uh, I just really wanted to address head on. And, you know, I broke down four ways that stood out to me that or reasons, I should say, why I think we, we break promises to ourselves uh, and how to really kind of switch that. And so I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, traditional habit setting, goal setting. We need to just really stop making promises. If we're doing something that we can't keep up with, we need to stop doing that thing because inevitably we're going to begin to beat ourselves up about it. And it's just going to be this negative self-feeding cycle. On top of that, I, I think kind of pairing it with traditional goal setting and developing new habits and trying to just keep them or get them into our lives. And so therefore we can keep them as our lifestyle is getting public accountability, you know, putting things out there publicly on social media, getting an accountability partner, something like that. And then third, you know, kind of switching into this aspect of positive reinforcement. I think we kind of, we can begin to develop a negative connotation to promises because if we're only focusing on the ones that we're breaking, then what does that say to ourselves when we go to make another promise? We're going to immediately kind of dig our heels in or have this preconceived notion consciously or subconsciously to, hey, you know what? Remember last time you said you were going to do something and you didn't? So why even bother this time? And then lastly, I think for a lot of us, we're repeating the same mistake or mistakes and we're repeating this continuous lie to ourselves because it's something that we don't actually want or we don't actually want anymore. And I really do think that's the most crucial part of this. And what I really leaned into is because it's something maybe that we said to ourselves or we promised ourselves a while ago, and that was a pertinent 
promise a pertinent goal to that version of ourselves, that season of our life. And we're not that person anymore. And I think a lot of people, myself included, we can get really wrapped up in the identity we had of that person, that person being ourselves, and the goal we wanted, the promise we made, and we're not that person anymore. We've grown, we've evolved, our life has changed. We, we live somewhere differently. We've got a different relationship. We you know, have had some other kind of transformation, but just because we said we were gonna do something and we're not doing it, we keep beating ourselves up about it when it really doesn't apply that much to our lives anymore. So I want people to really hear that and just get permission to go, you know what? It's not that I'm breaking this promise to myself. It's that I no longer can relate to that promise and I need to move on. And I need to set a better one. Yeah. It's, it's almost for, uh, almost to a degree, kind of like the sunk loss theory, like mm-hmm. just because you'd already invested back then and being that person that you keep doing it versus going on. Uh, one of the things, there's a couple of things you said there that stood out. One of the ones I kind of want to pull out a little bit is about getting that accountability. And we talk a ton about the importance of accountability and and hanging out with the people whose habits you want to adopt and and build. And there's science that shows to a degree talking about your goals is important and helps, but too much of it can demotivate us because we get all the dopamine hits of the reward. How do you intentionally select who you go to about your goals for them to hold you accountable and keep you moving forward toward them? Ooh, what a powerful question. Honestly, I think for me, that person or those persons tend to kind of rotate. And what I mean by that is depending upon the goal or the promise that I'm setting or making to myself for myself. Actually, let me take a backtrack. Yeah. Let me back up just a little bit here. I'll say at this point in in my life, at this point in my business, is at this point in my identity, I kind of have a really good solidified system or, or just this, this innate knowing of Chase, this is a realistic goal. This is an actual promise that is in alignment with your goals and your belief systems, or it's not. So therefore I'll either say it and do it, or I just won't even say it and therefore not even get ahead of myself. But now being in that position and having developed over many, many years, the right relationships with the right people, I kind of have this internal Rolodex, if you will, of this is the right person. That's the wrong person. So depending upon the goal, depending upon the promise, I really get a gut check with myself and I go, all right, Chase, this is something that you need to share with your family. This is something that is a little bit more close to home and is something maybe that is going to spill over more into your personal life. So therefore getting friends, family, close circle in is going to be the best way to support that for you, but also to kind of get ahead of any potential change that they might see in me that could cause friction, that could cause stress, that could cause any type of change because they matter to me. And I don't want me, I don't want anything in my life to change that further divides someone in my friends and family, my very, very close people unnecessarily. Did Uh, you, I was about to say, how did you come to that? Like, cause that's a, that's a huge self-awareness to think through how is this going to impact everyone else? If I make this change and mm. I go after this goal and want this accountability, was it trial by fire? Was it something you saw modeled with some of the people you hung out with? Honestly, the thing that immediately came to mind, and this is kind of taking a big step back into all things that is, that is chased in my life and my work and everything years ago, literally quite literally 2009, when I transitioned out of the military, 
I came back home, not far from where I am now. I'm back here visiting Washington, D.C. I went back to where my family was in Richmond, Virginia. And I really immediately kind of inserted myself into my family's life in a way that I'm sure they appreciated and wanted. And I'd been away for six years. My family, we had just gone through a, a really, really dark time and a sad time with the death of my father. And he was the glue of our family. And, but, you know, really looking back now where I realized that I needed to get better at this was no one asked me to do that. No one asked me to come back immediately, quite literally two weeks after a six year stint active duty to come back to the hometown, to come back and be every damn day in the lives of, of my siblings, of my friends, of my family, and try to reinsert myself as this this brother, this son, this, you know, new head of the household, this perceived head of the household, no one really asked that of me. And so what I, I kind of, again, years later of kind of going through myself and self-work, I realized that a lot of the developing areas of friction that I was having with friends and family was not because of anything on their end. It was because I had tried to push something on them, even though I deemed it like, don't we want to be together? Don't we want to make up quote, you know, here for lost time? Don't we want to blah, blah, blah. But that was all me. That's what I wanted. And so I realized one of the best ways that I can prevent disappointment in myself and what I'm getting out of my life and friction in the most meaningful relationships in my life is to take a hard look at to what am I trying to make happen? Who really wants it to happen? And are we in alignment with that or not? Do we have communication around that or not? So once I kind of took ownership of the fact that I was trying to just press something on other people that they necessarily not necessarily asked for, I kind of really picked up on that level of awareness of, all right, what is the thing that I'm after? Why do I want it? Who are the right people to really incorporate with that and to get ahead of that in terms of communication and conversation and integration even as much as possible so I don't have any kind of future resentment? Uh, one of the things I, I like about you sharing that I'm actually interested a little bit is you you talked about briefly, you know, stint in the military, you came home, very tragic time, family is the the changes in what you were doing which had a lot of times that are at that age i know for me especially the identity wrapped up in what we're doing versus who we are or who we're trying to become and so i'm curious as you were navigating those seasons because of the injury that you dealt with of the changes life threw your way that i know were unexpected how did you weather those storms from an identity standpoint or was it kind of going through this process of a little back and forth building your own self-awareness of what do I actually want that kind of, I'd say more than anything, set the tone and direction for who you are today. You know, this is something that I've reflected on quite a bit and a question that I've gotten pretty often as well. I really, I think more to the latter part of your, your question there, I really had no idea what was going on in terms of identity and keeping that identity or moving forward just because I am a certain person or I'm doing a certain thing until many, many years later. I think um, being such a young guy, a young human going into the military, I was 17 actually when I enlisted from 17 to 24. And you know, those are pretty damn formidable years for any person. Yeah. But you know, for me, leaving home from a very small town, not coming from much and stepping into a very, very, very large family, if you will, large system and a system that just so happened to be at war, I really had no other choice than to hit the ground running and adhere or 
get left behind, quite literally, you know, get kicked out or put myself in harm's way or potentially put others in harm's way. So I had no real concept of what I was doing and the why behind it being so attached to an identity at the time, because I was just taking orders quite literally. And it really kind of kept on after when I got out and I went enrolled full-time in school. I just perceived it as here's my next mission. My professors are my next leaders, my next commanders, my next sergeants, and I'm just taking orders. You know, I'm just doing the damn thing day after day, month after month, year after year for the next four years. Next thing I knew it had been 10, 12 years. And I had just been following other people's orders, going to school, just doing what I believe to be the next right thing without realizing that I actually needed to go back and face Chase, you were a young kid, a civilian that transitioned into a soldier for years during one of the most heightened times of war in American history. You then suffered injuries that quite literally broke you and forced you out of that career path. You had to rewrite what your future was going to be at such a young age. But instead, what did you do? You didn't take a beat. You didn't think about that identity, mourning that loss. You just went right on to the next thing. And, you know, my story has a lot of components to it of, of pretty significant events, but, you know, I'm not alone. I mean, how many of us just, you know, roll from one job to another, from one relationship to another, from one training modality, from one diet to another, just because we need that thing. And we're not pausing even for a second or even longer, just, you know, we're not taking time to do nothing and just to completely take inventory of, why was I doing that? Why was I in that relationship? Why, 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 why? What value did it give me? Why was I in pursuit of this thing? And how could I possibly so easily shift gears, whether of my own choice or got fired, got let go, got broken up with the next thing, you know, I'm just bouncing onto the next thing. It's because there's no identity. There's, there's no concept of who I am, what I want, what is meaningful to me, what I'm willing to put up with, what I'm not. And so that didn't hit me until quite literally, man, like three years ago, um, when all of this, when everything I just rattled off kind of reached its head, coupled with being at the height of lockdowns in Los Angeles, and just the world around me was just seemingly so bizarro, I was questioning everything up is down, left is right, right is wrong. And it, uh, you know, then really came to this head. And that's only finally at age 35. Then I realized that I had no identity up to that point. I was always living out of pursuit of what other people wanted or the role that I was in or the relationship that I was in. It wasn't until I was 35 that I actually took a damn beat to go, what does Chase want? What does he believe? What does he need to let go of? What is he willing to let go of? Who are the people that he might be willing to hurt in order to finally know what his truth is and how he wants to live his life or even, you know, not even to hurt, but just to have really hard conversations with and also have the courage to keep living that life day after day, because there's no going back. Once you kind of ask these questions of yourself and once you have this innate knowing finally shine through, there's no going back. Your life is completely different. You said a couple of things there that I found interesting and, and I believe I can connect the dots, but I want to hear it from you because someone listening may be thinking, okay, Chase, his brand's ever forward. He's got ever forward radio, but now he's talking about like pausing, 
Whereas this idea of ever <laughs> forward is like, you're constantly like lose the job, go to the next one, lose a relationship, go to the next, like you're always moving. And, and I think we're very alike in terms of that idea of the importance of pause and reflection, even with the competing every day, there's a, there's a component to that. So I'm interested from your perspective, how those two relate, how your brand of this ever forward still relates with the importance of taking those pauses versus constantly being moving. You know, that is really how I kind of personally redefined my own mantra, my own, my own brand, if you will, something that, you know, ever forward is actually a phrase from my late father. And uh, it was one that up to this point, I was just talking about is just that the obstacle before you is the way no matter what comes down comes down your lane, you have to keep pushing forward, you have to find a way to navigate through it, around it, underneath it, whatever, because there is a solution, should we choose to pursue one. But really, at least now for me, moving forward, living a life ever forward, has to also entertain the idea of forward does not need to be right now. In fact, sometimes the worst thing we can do is to just keep going. We're going to be taxing our bodies, our minds. We're just going to be, like I said earlier, just continuously in search of the next thing, the next thing for the sake of momentum. To be present and to take a pause, to take a beat and to you know, give credit to something that I learned a long time ago and carried me through my military career, something we call a tactical pause. You're not just stopping for the sake of stopping. You're not quitting. You're not giving up. You are consciously choosing just like you would make a decision to move forward. You're making the choice to go, I need to gather my thoughts. I need to take inventory. You know, in this tactical pause in the military, we also do what's called, you know, a sit rep, a situational report. We've got these certain line items that we, we need to go through to go, okay, is anybody hurt? Do we have any injuries? How's water? How's food? How's ammunition? Do we have communications? Do we know where we are on the map? And it's this perfect kind of analogy uh, of what we can do in our own lives because soldiers, airmen, Marines, special operators, whatever, whenever we do take that tactical pause, wherever we're going after that, you best believe we got our shit together. We know where we're going. We know how much ammo we got. We know how prepared we are for the next situation. We have a better understanding of what might be coming down the lane. That's the best way that we could ever move forward is taking a moment to take inventory of ourselves, of our environment, to then know which way we're supposed to go, which way we're supposed to go and when. Um, living a life ever forward for me, lately for damn sure has been just pausing and uh it's kind of developed into the second mantra i've been adopting lately and that's you are exactly where you are supposed to be and for me that means being right here where my own two feet are and just taking that inventory and finding gratitude in things and then again being able to shed things that i no longer need to take with me so that whenever i do take the next step forward i know it's with purpose it's out of alignment with myself and my truth and is in the right direction not just a direction let me ask you along those lines of the you're right where you're supposed to be because i you've done some incredible things building your brand i know operation podcast you're you're an achiever uh, and, and what I'm curious about is how do you wrestle with the, the balance of being right where you're supposed to be while still seeing like 
I still want to be ahead. I still want to impact more people. I still want to get there. How do you wrestle with that kind of, I think there's a, a pull from all successful, grateful people of the balance between the hunger to take advantage of the opportunity while still being grateful for where you are right at this moment, the progress you made and what you've gone through. Yeah. You know, that's a really interesting question. A couple of things come to mind for me there. One more so from kind of like the business side and operations, the vast majority of time that I'm able to succeed in, 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 you know, facing those two truths or balancing that dichotomy is having a team, having done proper delegation and, and knowing and trusting in the people and the systems that I have set up and that I've put in place. Um, Operation Podcast, you mentioned, you know, this is my podcast production and consulting company. Uh, now we've got some, you know, we're rolling out studios. We just opened up in Los Angeles. And, you know, this has been a labor of love for pushing three years now. And we've got a great team. I've got an operations manager. I've got great editors. I've got great people doing great things in their lane. And of course, you know, the pusher, the go-getter, the, the, the self-driver, self-motivator, entrepreneur wants to just, you know, always check on things and I'm always like, oh, well, I can just follow up or I can just do this. But that just makes things more messy and that turns into micromanagement. And, you know, then it builds resistance and distance between me and that team. And that's the last thing I want because I've been there. I've worked, you know, even in the military, but also in corporate America. Those are the things that always kind of irked me. I was like, yo, bro, you hired me. <laughs> you put me in this position to do this thing. Let me do my damn job. So that is, you know, a struggle that I'm getting much better at, but definitely delegation and having systems and having people to rely on definitely helps me kind of get out of that push, that push and pull a little bit. Secondly, what comes to mind is this ability to fall back on my own accomplishments. And what I mean by that is I can give myself more grace when I'm struggling with, do I push forward? Do I take advantage of, do I jump on this opportunity or just, you know, do I have white space in my, my calendar? Does this mean I'm not grinding hard enough? No, no matter what is going on, I, I have this ability now to kind of reflect on my past experiences, my past successes, my past failures to know that Chase, you have proven to yourself, you have proven to your team, you have proven to anybody that you think you need to prove anything to that you can do it. You are more than capable. Uh, you know, now I'm in year six, going into year six of being an entrepreneur and doing my own thing. So I've got time on my side. You know, Chase, you don't need to just constantly go, go, go. You don't need to live in fear of a missing an opportunity. You don't need to dwell any longer than a minute, a day, whatever, on a failure or a missed opportunity. Because look at what you've done. You've bounced back. You know, you've had zero in the bank account before. Now you've skyrocketed. You've had zero team members and you were doing the jobs of five people. And now you've got eight team members and you get to just do your role. So it's kind of like this reflection, again, pausing long enough to know, like, Chase, you have proven yourself. You can do it again. You don't need to just like stay in it as much. You can work on it. You don't need to be in it as much. But then there's also, you know, thirdly, this aspect that, okay, it's almost like the other side of, I've proven to myself that I can do this stuff. So no matter what position I'm in now, maybe now is the downside, you know, maybe now is the time that I'll reflect on later of look at where you were, look at where you were and look at, you know, how far you've come again. So there, that's never going to go away. You know, as long as I am, as long as I have air in my lungs and 
working for myself and on my own mission, you know, I know I'm always going to be able to achieve more when I'm always in pursuit of, of living and acting out of my truth and out of, out of what is the best interest of my business, of my life. So it's kind of just, you know, I guess here's my LA woo coming out. It's just this surrender component, man. Like I, I don't need to dwell on it as much. I know as long as I have my my health, I'm, I'm taking care of my body, my mind, my relationships. I'm checking in on the things that need to be checked in on. And I'm continuously putting myself in the right places. And I am acting out of service and I'm acting out of integrity and, and just knowing that what I'm doing daily compounds. It's just merely a matter of time before I wake up. I'm be like, damn, I'm in the next thing. I've made the next marker. Um, not to say that certain goals and certain parts of goal setting aren't a part of my life, but really majority of how I view where I'm going and why and how I kind of dance around everything is just having grace with myself and also just knowing that I'm not going to give up the daily things that have gotten me thus far. And that's everything I was just talking about. So again, it's just really a matter of time before I'm like, oh shit, here I am again, leveled up. What is what is kind of a morning afternoon, lunch, evening routines that you are, they're your non-negotiables that help keep you grounded in the present. But I would say, or something from a mental perspective, help you feel alive every day that you're like, I'm doing this. It's a non-negotiable in my schedule, no matter where I, what part of the country I'm in or what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah. You know, I, I won't beat a dead horse. I feel like, um, personally speaking, I, I think a lot of people now are really looking for and finding the morning hack, the morning routine, uh, all these things, you know, quiet time, getting sunlight, water, electrolytes, waiting to have coffee or caffeine for 90 minutes, journaling, meditation. I mean, I feel like the morning routine and all this shit has kind of been really beaten in and I'm not here to knock it, but you know, I don't want to be another guy just saying the same thing, but here's what I will tell you has worked really, really well for me. Whatever I create, whatever system I create, whatever structure I, I build in my life, whatever protocols I set for myself or my business, I honor them because I created them. Quick little backstory. About four years ago, I was trying to adopt what I was hearing every other guru and every other high performer say, you know, you need to get up at 4 a.m. You need to work out. You need to grind. You need to have more done by 8 a.m. before anybody else has done by noon. You need to read this book, go to this conference, do all these things. And look, I think there's a time and a place for that. Sometimes that might be the kick in the ass you need to really to, to find the motivation and to find the intrinsic motivation just to kind of get shit done for a period of time. Yeah, I got more done. Yeah, I literally gave myself three, four more hours in the day, but bro, I was tired. I was tired. I was losing motivation to work out. My sleep was suffering. I was getting cranky. So I just stopped all that. And I just really, again, paused and surrendered to go, what does my body need? What does my business need? And I began to just go to bed when I got tired. I woke up naturally whenever I woke up. And I, I do build in a fortification system, you know, I fortify my time really in honor I block off. I don't really take anything before about 1130. Um, but then beyond that, really what works best for me is uh, I segmented my days. Uh, and, you know, to really answer your question here, I think this does directly lead into especially my mental health, because as just a high achiever, as someone seeking total human optimization, but also as an entrepreneur and business owner that has other people that relies on him for their livelihood, I have gotten rid of so much stress and worry and anxiety because I have clarity of what I am doing and when. Specifically, I broke up my days. 
So for about three years now, Mondays for me is just admin. It is the least sexy part of any part of what I do, of personal life, professional life. Uh, you know, I have one standing call with my production team every morning. We kick off, and then after that, um, confirming schedules. I'm booking. I'm doing email. It's just all the back end admin logistics, confirming scheduling shit. Tuesday, Wednesdays, like here we are today. I keep it as podcast days. That means me recording for my show, either going into the studio or me making time to be available for other podcasts like here we are today. Today's a Wednesday. Thursdays, I keep open for phone calls. This is typically when I'm doing client calls, when I'm keeping, you know, I guess you could call them kind of open office hours and make myself more available for phone calls for clients or for people, for anybody, you know, on Thursdays. Friday, I kind of do a half day. Friday for me, as much as possible on the front end of the day is IRL. I'm meeting somebody, going to get breakfast, get lunch, get coffee. Uh, typically, this is trying to catch up with a friend or uh, get to know a potential guest for the show or just, you know, somebody somewhere, somehow, some way. And, you know, I like to wrap things up. You know, Friday, I'm, I'm getting outdoors usually by like 2 p.m. Friday afternoons are usually my long walk days, a couple hours. And so having compartmentalization in my days and my weeks has not only given me vast improvements in, in my business, my personal life, but has allowed me to let go of so much stress and anxiety and worry about what am I supposed to be doing? When am I supposed to be doing it? Because I know, all right, no, Chase, today is Wednesday, your podcast, Chase. Today's Monday, your admin business owner, Chase. Your Thursday, blah, blah, blah. So uh, that has been a game changer for me personally. Well, and it, it sounds like it's super helpful and you're not having to switch the brain. Like you're not having to jump from admin mode to podcast mode to creation mode to all of that. Task switching sucks so much of our brain oh. energy and focus and, and productivity. That is the worst thing we could ever do. There, multitasking is a lie. Multitasking is a lie. Give yourself the days and the times and just stick to it, people. Uh, no, I love that. My coach and I, we were actually just chatting about kind of those weeks and those perfect weeks and, and setting tasks. Uh, around kind of travel schedule, because I've got a nice little stretch where a lot of my keynotes are local or right around in Texas. So they're days. So I can still stick that schedule versus, hey, I'm going to be on a plane two out of the next three days and bouncing around. Sometimes that changes up, but I can still have those. Today's only creation day. Today's only admin day. Uh, and so I love how you framed yours and making those kind of your non-negotiables to make you more effective. What advice, I want to ask, what advice might you give someone looking for something along those lines, but say they have a traditional nine to five and they're not able to fully go in the way you are. How do you kind of recommend some of your, the people that call into your show or that you've worked with in the past of, of customizing that for your own lifestyle where you are? As in maybe just help me better understand the question. Are they looking at yeah, sorry, I have, like I got so you have complete or... control of your schedule. Yeah. For somebody uh -huh. that say they're in a nine to five job in an office and they're like, Shh, I'd love to do this all like one day. How do you recommend they pick maybe smaller non-negotiables and theme their days? Okay, so job dependent, environment dependent, some things that worked for me back when, you know, because before I was doing this, you know, I did work in corporate America after the army and after school. Uh, for about four years, uh, I was a clinical health coach and wellness director for a concierge medical practice all up and down the East Coast. So I was doing my thing in a couple of offices and also managed nine other coaches and offices from, you know, like all the way to Chicago and Maine down to Georgia, or excuse me, uh, Maryland. Um, some things that really worked well for me then, and I would still probably recommend them now, just because you are working for somebody else and have someone else's set parameters of when you work and what you're going to be doing, doesn't mean that every minute of every day is subjected to them and what they need. 
specifically give yourselves email block times. Don't just sit there in front of your outlook and just wait for the ping to go off and just start putting off fires all the time. That is one of the worst things you can do because not only are you then just not clear of what you're doing when or why, but you are also conditioning every other person that ever shoots you an email, sends you a message that you are always available. And when I started blocking email time in my nine to five, as in I'm only checking, you know, the first five minutes of every hour or, you know, go the Dr. Pepper method, you know, 10, two and four kind of thing, morning, afternoon, end of the day. The amount of emails that I would then get from people who problem solved on their own began to increase like crazy. So they began to need me less and less. And especially in a leadership position, this is great too, because it might sound like Chase, well, don't you want to be available for your people and your team? Yes, to a certain point, but you also as a leader, especially you need to be empowering them to problem solve to think critically on their own, and to not always go, Oh, shit, there's a problem or Oh, I, I think I'm supposed to do this, but let me do that. You're not leaving any open room for them to figure things out on their own, to be willing enough to potentially be wrong or to cause a problem which could cause bigger issues, but also ultimately they're going to have the opportunity now to take ownership of that. Uh, and this might turn into a way for you guys to completely change how you do things, why you do things. You know, if you're not giving your team, anybody else room to succeed or fail, and you're trying to take all that on yourself, then it's literally just a matter of time before that system, that operation goes down or you have a blow up or you have a burnout on your end. Because if you are always available for everyone, when are you available for yourself? Yep. And how many, how many people, especially from a business owner standpoint, end up being what slows the business down more than anything, because they are right in the middle and everything has to go through them versus mm -hmm. being outside of it and allowing everyone to kind of own their space, run their space and, and check in. Uh, yeah. There's a book, uh, uh, Mike McCallowitz wrote called Clockwork. And I have a friend that uh, she implements, runs a lot of their workshops, but it essentially sets up the premise of as a business owner, could you take 30 days off of your business? And it's like that for most people, that's the most terrifying question of asking a business <laughs> owner. And a buddy of mine, when the book came out, he did it, went through the program and did it. And I laughed. I said, would you take an entire month off again, knowing you enjoy work? And he's like, no, I like working. Yeah. But it was really nice to know that if anything ever happened, we didn't lose money. We didn't grow, but we didn't lose money. You know, so, hey, that's okay. a win. I'll take that's it. Another win. book I'll throw out there that yeah. helped me immensely and is one that I revisit every January now ever since. It's The One Thing. And yeah. I think this is an, by Jay, Jay, Jay uh, Papazan and Gary Keller. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. From um, uh, Keller Williams Realty. Yep. Th this book transformed my entire life, especially my the way that I set goals, the way that I made prioritize, the way that I made priorities, excuse me, and the way that I went about communicating what I was working on and why, they outlined some amazing tactics in there, especially in a corporate environment, to if you know effectively and, and politely let other people know, hey, I'm not available right now. Here's why. Here's what I'm working on. Don't be afraid to shut your door. Don't be afraid to put a sign up on your cubicle working on my one thing. Please check back in 30 minutes. You know, I would really, really recommend that book as well. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. And if you haven't read Greg McCowan's new one, Effortless and Essentialism, 
Uh, I'll add them to the list. Uh, essentialism is very yeah. similar to the one thing, a little bit different perspective, but similar concepts. And then effortless is about, you know, getting into that groove of working more in your sweet spot and making that kind of flow. So I love it. Love the one thing myself. I'll read it about every 18 months. Uh, yeah, as a great good. reminder yeah. of like, check back in. Chase, you run a phenomenal podcast. I know you transitioned. It used to be really involved health and fitness in terms of coaching and stuff. Now you're all in podcasts on. Uh, Everford Radio is the show. Uh, yes, sir. How many new episodes a week do you put out? We're doing two a week now. Yeah, awesome. And the best place, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere uh, is the best place Apple to Podcast, download. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Listen. Yeah, you can check uh, everfordradio.com. We also publish to YouTube. Uh, yeah, anywhere and everywhere you enjoy podcasts, we're there. Love it. And then your own favorite social media platform to hang on to or hang out in that our listeners be a great place to start following you. Yeah, come hang with me on Instagram. You know, the, I always say the podcast is a long format place to learn what I'm really kind of testing and dabbling in on social media on Instagram. Uh, it's total no holds barred of what I'm doing, what I'm liking, what's working for me, what's not in terms of human health, human optimization, sleep health, uh, mental resiliency, mindset, entrepreneurship, um, mental health, especially I'm very, very open about that because that was an area of my life that I did not respect and I kept suppressed for too long. So anything that I am going through, you're going to get the real life world version of that on Instagram. And then on the podcast is where I sit down and expand on it for long format. Absolutely love it, man. Chase, this has been fun. Thanks for letting me pull some threads and get to know you a little bit better and let our listeners sit in and learn as well. So I appreciate you coming on the show. My pleasure, Jake. Thank you so much for having me, man. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.